Blog Talk Radio. Fantasy Baseball Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Roach. Today's date, June 16th. Happy Father's Day to everyone. Hopefully uh, all, all the fathers out there, grandfathers, uh, sons, uh, were treated as well as uh, fantasy owners were treated with uh, Charlie Blackman's performance this past week, especially over the weekend. Uh, they had uh, four hits in four straight games and uh, just keeps uh, racking them up. Uh, as always, my co-host is Cole Friel. Uh, Cole, welcome to the show. Uh, anything you want to open up with, and uh, what are you currently working on? Um, hold on, uh, it's not letting me uh, open up your microphone, so just give it a second. Come on. All right, there we go. All good? Now you're up. Yeah, you're good now. <laughs> All right, yeah, no, I've just been, you know, working on the normal projects. Um, I am currently committed to making a uh, a full re-rank for the, for the mid-season, so I've been uh, starting to put some hours nice. into that. These next couple weeks are going to be the weeks that I'm spending uh, a significant portion of my days, you know, just going through. Uh, every every little which thing I can find when it comes to, you know, how people have developed against certain pitch types, um, if I mm-hmm. can see mechanical adjustments, um, when something necessarily doesn't speak speak right to me through through the numbers, I'll be spending a lot of time watching it and going through on those, those players and those pitching performances and, and consistently trying to uh, put an eye on players. You know, yeah, that's the thing. I've been really successful this year with a guy like Jorge Polanco, but I think one of the reasons that I liked Jorge Polanco coming into the year is that once I got into him, once I became a fan of him, I didn't just uh, base it on on some of the small things that I found in, in the logistics and right. the numbers. I I watched him play baseball. I, I watched every plate appearance uh, for a while. I watched uh, you know about a, a month or two of plate appearances from his last season, uh, and I think that's the kind of things that can uh, really help you out in terms of uh, seeing the, the the similarity uh, and the relationship and the correlation between uh, numbers and performance and and underlying science being uh, true or not. Um, for MLFS for MajorLeagueFantasySports.com, as always, working on a, a relief pitcher piece. Um, going to get back to uh, some deep dives on the inherited runner stranded and the holds guys. Uh, hopefully this week, um, but every week it does come with a. Um, uh, a look at what closers did in the past week, who who was a perfect closer in a perfect role, uh, who didn't get any opportunity, uh, and who got opportunity, but, you know, not necessarily was bad. I, I don't I don't break it off into what's bad. I just break it off to what wasn't perfect from the closing position uh, and seeing if there's anything mm-hmm. to discuss about those runs allowed or blown save opportunities. So uh, that's mostly what I've been working on. Also want to, um, you know, double down on your uh, previous comment. I believe we have two sons and, one one person who who is a father, I believe, on the show today. But uh, thanks thanks to all the fathers out there too for Father's Day. And uh, yeah, that's all I got, Brian. All right, perfect. Uh, 
as always, it's uh, a, a pleasure to talk to you about uh, fantasy baseball. Uh, our guest this week is Joe Ionone. Joe is a writer. Uh, I actually edit, edit, edit his articles uh, every week, uh, depending on uh, when he gets it in. But uh, he focuses on spot starters for the coming week, uh, each week. Uh, Joe, uh, anything you wanted to open up with? And uh, what are you working on? Uh, well, obviously, it would be next Saturday would be uh, your article. But. Yeah, my, my article just came out this morning, so I spent pretty much last yep. night writing that or, or you know, tidying it up. Um, and it's it gets more challenging as the year goes on because in the beginning, I don't know, there's, there's always going to be some guys who should have been drafted probably but weren't, so they're always available out there to, to pick up. And then as injuries mount mm-hmm. and as um, bad performances creep up, you start getting less and less actual quality on the wire. And uh, then you know then the, the rookies come up and stuff, so you have more to choose from, but. It's all about matchups and um, you know, trying to find that diamond in the rough that that's uh, not already owned. Because most of these guys are, if they're good enough, they're owned already. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's tough this time of year. Uh, and yes, I am. And yes, I am luckily, a father. So. <laughs> well, happy Father's Day to you, uh, and you. and to all those fathers out there. Uh, and thanks again for taking time out of your day to join us. So, before we jump into our streamer breakdowns, I just want to inform our audience of our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for Thrive Fantasy Sports, which is a prop bet-based site that uses over and unders for players in MLB, NBA, and NFL to make a lineup. And more sports are on the way. You can go to thrivefantasy.com or on your phones and tablets by Apple and Google Play stores. Look for the Thrive Fantasy app, and after you download, use the promo code MLFS. That's just the initials for Major League Fantasy Sports, so MLFS, and you'll get your first ten dollars matched in real time. That's right. If you put in ten bucks, then you get an extra ten in real time. Just enter the code MLFS on the Thrive Fantasy app on the Google Play or Apple stores, along with thrivefantasy.com and remember to donate to our Patreon account you can go to majorleaguefantasysports.com and along the right side of the page just under the headline section you'll find the Patreon donation button you can set up a monthly donation for as low as $1 or make a one-time donation thank you to our current supporters we also have many openings in our football leagues for the 2019 season so you can get a jump start on football for the upcoming season you can email Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com for more details. So we'll begin with our Monday streamers, uh, per usual, and we'll start with Cole. Cole, who you got for Monday? All right, so for Monday, you know, like I say, I go, I go over a lot of these uh, uh, based on matchups. Uh, oh, and I just want to touch on one thing really quick. Uh, it's what uh, actually Joe sure. ended his, his little uh, open with, uh, you know, is that uh, the, the further it goes in the year, the harder it gets. And, and I think that's absolutely true because I think, um, you know, it's not just uh, the way that the season develops. It's, it's the fact that you have guys that you like and that you're going to be right about. Like, you know, not saying that it's, 
uh, more than not, but there's there's guys that you like that you're going to end up being right about. And those kind of guys, you see the success happening, and you see the low, low ownership percentage. And in, and in April, you can uh, request them, you can suggest them every week, and then end it with something like, and add them for the long term because this is ridiculous, you know, uh, based on either the previous year or sometimes in one start. You know, uh, one start for me, Frankie Montas this year was my one start guy. You know, I saw him play one start. Until he proved it otherwise to me, he he was an every start pitcher or or, or near that, uh, and and a guy that I felt was a pickup in every league. And you know, for for weeks on the show, I discussed him as a streamer uh, because I was allowed to do that back in April. But I you know I don't know ownership percentages. He has 14 starts where he still has a 2.85 ERA, still has a 9.66 K9, has even managed to get nine wins in his 14 starts, which is rather surprising considering the fact that Oakland are. Oh, is only a 500 team, you know, uh, they have, I think only like 36 wins total. So he, he's got a quarter of that, you know, I'm, I'm simply saying, you know, there's players that you like that you're wrong and right about, but the ones you're right about, you feel very confident about, uh, you know, suggesting for weeks and weeks, and then they get added and, and you just can't do that anymore. So you have to continuously find, uh, you know, new streamers. And also when you're coming into a year, not necessarily that you have a streamers list because you know, don't know who's going to get drafted, but, you know, as someone who ranks starting pitchers, I, th- I think you have a good idea of these are the guys I like that I have to draft highly, and these are the guys I like that I can either get late in the draft or might be undrafted depending on the size of my league. Uh, and you have an entire offseason to build that list. If you're right, you know, the thing is there's aspects of that right list that you're going to be wrong about that's just going to be irrelevant because you were wrong, and there's aspects of that list you're going to be right about. But the parts that you're right about – are going to get more and more owned, which makes it hard, you know, to, to make these suggestions uh, as we get further into the year because we don't have a whole off season between each each weeks to try to figure out, you know, our new class of, you know, streaming caliber pitchers. So we just have to keep digging out. It's one of the reasons why uh, this time of year I feel like so many of my picks are are more matchup based because what we have in the beginning of the year uh, is we have this general sense of you know, confusion is the word coming to my head, but it's not necessarily confusion. It's just uh, there's a difference mm-hmm. between how I see a player and you see a player and how and how Joe sees a player that can be very, very different from an entire offseason. Um, same, same with an offense. But uh, the more we get into this side of the year, um, the less there's a difference between how we see the streamers necessarily, but we also know – uh, more firmly, which offenses are not going to be turning around. You know, I I know there were reasons to believe they'd be in, improved. We talked about one of those players already, um, but you know, play, people weren't afraid to stream the Twins in April. Uh, they they might have even been doing. They might have even been going out of their way to go against the Minnesota Twins. Now it's very obvious that any matchup against the Minnesota Twins is is probably a bad matchup. So you know, the, the further you get in the year, you you lose that the discrepancy between your opinion and my opinion, uh, the feeling of these consistent streamers, you know, your Frankie Montas type streamers that you expect to take the next step. Most of the time, if we're getting those kind of players at this point, it's just, uh, just got called up kind of guys. Now we're using, uh, the data that we have from month or excuse me, from, uh, April, uh, June, uh, or April, May, and June, uh, to, to have more data on the offense we're picking against. So that's why, you know, not all my matchups because right. I have a, a few from a different. Uh, not all my matchups are from these two series, but uh, starting out the week, you have a Monday through Wednesday three-game set between the Kansas City Royals and the Seattle Mariners, 
and then you have a Monday through Thursday uh, four-game set between the Angels and the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Um, my preferred pitchers in each of those matchups uh, is the road pitcher, it looks like. Uh, for Kansas City, that would be Danny Duffy on the road against Seattle. And for the Angels, that would be uh, Pena on the road against Toronto. Uh, again, neither one of these offenses is very good, so that's the main reason you're targeting these streamer. Uh, th- these whole groups of matchups are ones I'm targeting. And so, you know, I, I know I, I just basically just threw out Felix Pena and Danny Duffy, um, but, you know, I, I also talked a lot about the setup. So those are just my two guys for Monday. Nice, yeah, both those guys um, were on my list uh, for sure, especially Pena going against uh, the Blue Jays and uh, with Edwin Jackson on the other side, who has a 10 ERA on the season. Uh, He might be in line uh, for a nice little win uh, if if he can pitch long enough to get it. Uh, Joe, who you got for Monday? Well, this is not my favorite pick of the week, and it's not even one I like talking about too much, but I have Andrew Kashner of the Baltimore Orioles for Monday. Um, like I was saying earlier, it, is, it does get tougher to find your uh, two-star pitcher, especially two-star pitchers this time of year, because it's bad enough that you know you get one good start, but chances of finding a guy with two good starts is pretty tough. And somehow or another, Andrew Kashner ends up in my article at least once a year um, because he – you know, we'll come into a week like the one he has next week where he has two really good matchups. And, um, yeah, right. yeah, he gets blown up sometimes. He, he might he might ruin your ERA on any given week, but um, if you pick the right matchups, there's a good chance he's going to get you a win. He's actually 6-2 and two on the year. I bet a lot of people don't even know that, but Andrew Kashner is 6-2. and two. And there's a lot, of, a lot of pitchers that are better than him that don't have even five wins yet. Um, but next week he gets the A's um, in Oakland. And they're hitting two with a WOBA of 288. They only have a 217 batting average and a 154 ISO against righties at home. So that's a good one. And then the Mariners are um, just as bad. They're a 295 WOBA, 216 batting average, almost the same, and a 160, 165 ISO against also against righties at home. So both of those matchups are, are must starts in my opinion for Andrew Kaffner. And uh, yeah, you, you know he's not going to be your ace, but if you get two starts out of him this week and toss him back to the fish next week, then you did pretty well. I'm assuming, anyway. That's my prediction. Nice. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Um, if you can get one great start out of the guy who has two two starts and the second one's a decent start and not like where he gets blasted, it's always good to put those guys out there because it's helps with your totals uh, for points leagues and could help with your ratios a little bit in uh, those category leagues. Um, the guy that I'm looking at uh, is actually a, on the mound against Baltimore, uh, Mike Fires uh, of the Oakland A's. Uh, he's 6-3 and three with a 4.64. Uh, he had a decent outing his last start. Uh, he got He got the win. Um, and uh, he doesn't pile up the strikeouts. He only has 53 Ks, 76 in the third innings. But I, th- I think he's he's able to go deep enough enough against this putrid uh, Baltimore Orioles lineup uh, to really uh, help you out uh, by just eating up innings, not allowing many runs. Uh, hits might be a problem, but he. Um, 
he should be able to keep the Baltimore Orioles uh, at bay. Uh, Joe, who you got for Tuesday? Uh, for Tuesday, I've got an interesting one, and this I'm going to be honest, this is a guy I was not really familiar with until recently. But um, Jordan Yamamoto got called up recently by the Twins, and he had a pretty good um, debut start uh, last week. And um, he's another guy who the the, uh, the matchups that he has just jump right off the page. Um, he's another two-star pitcher. Um, let me find what I got on him here. Let's see. Um, believe it or not, he's... He, he was 6% owned last week in Fantrax, and now he's at 31% already just after one start. Um, but he's got the Phillies in Philadelphia and the Cardinals in St. Louis next week. And, um, you know, not, not just the fact that this guy was, was really good in the minors, but just the fact that he's been already starting off good in the majors and his two uh, matchups next week are, are easy. Um, he's got the Phillies – Phillies are, well, they're not doing too bad, but they have a 317 Woba, but only a 231 batting average against righties at home. Um, the cards are 314, 255, but their ISO is only 132. Um, so, again, if, you, if you're going to throw a rookie at a couple of um, a couple of uh, teams right now, the way those guys are playing, that those would be the two I would do. Um, and then, you know, hopefully he'll get two good starts out of it, but... There's a lot of two-star pitchers yeah. this, this week, but I thought he was one of the better ones. And again, I I had to research him because I didn't know a lot about him. Right, but, um, <laughs> makes sense. In, in the minors, he, in the minors, he was uh, a good strikeout pitcher, over ten almost every year, over ten for nine, and uh, not walking a lot of guys, and hardly giving up any home runs at all. So if he keeps that up in the majors, then then he'll be fine. Um, right. Usually when these usually when these guys come up, you see a lot of walks, but he does not have a lot of walks at all to start off the year. Mm-hmm. Majors or minors. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's that's my pick for okay. Tuesday. Uh, and Sunday. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, Tuesday, who you got, Cole? So uh, first off, just to touch on uh, the the Yamamoto pick, I, I think it's a you know obviously this is the right time to get him. I mean, I, I, we go over this I think every time uh, a player comes up, the right time to get a player is always when they come up. Uh, it's just it's just a risk reward function based on what ninety nine point nine percent of leagues have going for them. You know, the the player on the end of your bench is you know he might be a solid player, he might be better. Uh, than the player you give up to get him. But any player who's coming up has a high, high, high variable range into what they could be valued as. Um, you know, I remember uh, on, on Roto World forums when, when the Michael Chavez thread got opened, and it was basically and basically all, all, all the first post said was, uh, Michael Chavez got called up, plays for Boston. The very first reply was, I added him, don't know anything, can you explain to me if I made a good decision or not? And I actually think that's the right – I think that that is the right mindset when it comes to young players. Like you add a, a, a Michael Chavez and you ask questions later. He's striking out quite a bit now, but, you know, when he was on that, that carried pace and, and still doing toward pace and still doing uh, pretty well, you know, his value was clearly higher and increasing uh, from where it was the day that you added him. Um, so, you know, that, that's what happens with these highly variable players. So just rounding back to Jordan Yamamoto, 
don't think he's a guy that necessarily has the upside uh, that a lot of these uh, special starting pitchers do. Hasn't played above AAA and does have a, a decent strikeout rate in the minor leagues. Uh, 8.82 in AA is a, a, at least solid, but you know the the number. The only thing, and it doesn't necessarily mean bad for anything, but the number one thing I'm going to look at if I get a small sample uh, to you know obsess over is going to be the swinging strike rate. Uh, uh, he only has a 7.4 swinging strike rate in the first game. Not a big deal. I just, you know, ideally I would have seen more bats miss. Um, I do like that Joe pointed out the home run suppression because that seems to be a, a big part of his game, home run suppression and, and damage suppression despite giving up contact uh, seems to be a big part of Yamamoto's game. That's not necessarily a skill that is, always is fantasy friendly, uh, but we just have to keep an eye on it and just see how many bats he misses going forward because, you know, I would need that number to be a little higher than 7.4%, even with the walks and home run expressions. But again, uh, it, it is only one game and he's got some interesting matchups and, and some youth uh, to make him exciting. Uh, another youth doing about the opposite in terms of home run suppression uh, is Zach Plesak. Uh, from the Cleveland Indians. Don't know what his overall ownership percentage is uh, because through four starts, he is averaging over six innings pitched per start and has a uh, sub three ERA, which is solid, but he also has a 7.3 K9, which isn't much to to write home about. Uh, And his home run rate is actually 1.82, which is uh, rather high. Home runs per nine, that is, is is 1.82. And that's fairly high. Uh, more than fairly high, really. That's actually pretty high. Um, so the one thing he Plesak's been doing is it seems like he's been giving up uh, a good amount of hard contact. He does have a fairly high uh, hard percentage on fan graphs. Uh, hasn't been getting hardly any pop-ups and has an 18.5% home run to fly ball percentage. So uh, this might be just the, the kind of guy he is right now. Uh, at the same time, uh, Cleveland Indians, uh, Zach Plesak, uh it does have a tough matchup in terms of the venue, um, and Texas isn't hasn't been the easiest matchup this year, but it's also not one uh, th- that I'm the most afraid of. And, and there is, again, the, the intrigue uh, in the fact that he is 24 years old and playing on a team that uh, we expect to continue to compete, if not for the v- division, uh, which they're 10 games behind now because of the hot start of Minnesota. Um, the wild card they'll at least be competing for um and then you know just to uh mention those a couple of those series again um i, I don't know if skaggs would be a, an available pitcher very, very many places I, I know he has and hasn't been probably throughout uh, various portions of the season um but, but he has the la toronto matchup on the la side of things um you know homer bailey again isn't a pitcher that i'm very excited about but you know, again, going back to the, the very first long precursor to this, this whole endeavor, um, you know, the advantage of picking streamers in June is that we don't have the selection necessarily of guys that we really want, guys that we think the community is sleeping on, um, but we do have data when it comes, you know, to team performance. Uh, the Seattle team performance still pretty up there in home runs, um, but they just traded Edwin uh, to the Yankees. They, they also um, – have been cooling off since the beginning of April. So uh, this is a matchup for Homer Bailey that that doesn't scare me too much. And and that's what I'm really looking for when it comes uh, to streamers. It could go, could go bad. Um, If I was looking for a DFS, I'd likely look somewhere that I think has more strikeout upside. Um, But ultimately it's not a matchup that scares me away and I'd be willing to throw it out there and hope that I can snake out a a good performance. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
that sounds uh, great. Well, those guys sound great. Um, the guy that I was looking at was uh, he's 34% owned uh, Tyler Skaggs going against uh, Toronto. Um, he he he's he's been up and down all year. Has a five year A now, and is only five and six. But he gets the K's, and I think uh, being at Toronto uh, should help him. Another guy he did give up some runs against the Red Sox. Uh, Adrian Sampson. Um, he's going against Cleveland, um, and I think he might uh, be a nice little option uh, as well. So uh, that's who I got for Tuesday. Um, Cole, uh, it's, interesting, it's interesting you guys were talking about uh, Zach Plesac. Uh Last week in my article, I compared Zach Plesac with the Indians' other rookie, Pluko. Um Kind of comparing them as not not so much as long term because I think obviously Plezak has a lot more upside and a lot more uh, talent than Pluko has. But I was talking more about for this year, for the next few weeks, basically. And um, the idea, the the thought I came up with was that Pluko is actually the better start for the next few weeks, only because he seems a little more polished or developed at the moment. Um, and uh, and um, Plezak seems a little behind him so far as far as that goes. But uh, I thought that was an interesting thing. I, uh, on my uh, my Reddit share, I put it up on the Reddit share too as a question, and people were answering it. But um, it was kind of it was it was kind of unanimous that everybody thought Plesac had the more upside, which he does, and uh, Pluto might be the the better short term one. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. Um, Cole, uh, who you got for Wednesday? Um, so for the Wednesday side of things, um, you know, for, for those first two main matchups, uh, you still have, uh, you know, I think I'm going to pull from a lot of the similar matchups here too. Cause I mean, uh, Joe just mentioned, uh, the police act Plutko connection. Uh, I don't know if that's who he had, uh, for this day. I accidentally just X'd out my, my emails. I was going to check. Um, but Pluko is a guy who I also find to be interesting. Uh, again, that comes uh, a lot, or at least a little bit from the matchup. Um, uh, you know, it, it's not the same as throwing someone in Miami. In Miami, you have uh, the advantage of going up against both a poor offense and the ability uh, to play in, in a good venue. Here, you don't have a good venue at all, and you don't have nearly as poor of an offense. Um, but, you know, Joey Gallo, I believe, is on the mend. And so Adam Plutko, uh, not too worried to throw him out. Uh, Keller and the uh, recently returned from injury, Andrew Heaney, uh, go up against uh, can- er, uh, against Seattle and Toronto, respectively. Uh, so that's uh, one interesting case. And then, um, you know, it, it touches on a matchup that, that you guys talked about earlier, uh, going back to the Monday series, but um, you know, I do think the Oakland Baltimore matchup is a little bit of a low key one for streamers. I haven't mentioned that one uh, in, in the guise of this whole week, but you know, Baltimore clearly uh, has been lacking, uh, and Oakland hasn't been that that great this year. Certainly uh, not what they were last year, or cracked up to be necessarily. Uh, they're sitting at 500, and I believe if the season ended today, they would either be uh, one or two teams. Uh, away from the playoffs, uh, including Texas in their own division, uh, is, I believe, a hair over 500 right now. Uh, and actually, statistically and, and uh, percentage place-wise, I think just slightly over uh, Boston if the season were to end today. It's a little bit of a fallacy because Texas and Boston has played a different number of games. 
Um, but I believe that mm-hmm. is the case. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Bolt, but uh, to the matchup, uh, Bassett from Oakland against Baltimore, I think has a chance to be a, another solid start. Um, you know, you're getting up against Baltimore, you're getting a pitcher that isn't uh, overwhelmingly right. owned and, and not completely likely to, uh, you know, blow you up in any way. Someone you can feel uh, at least relatively safe about. So, so that's what I got there uh, with Bassett. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Bassett's, uh, it's been a decent streamer this year, especially with an ER and or four. Uh, he's not getting as many wins, but, uh, Oakland isn't also as, as good as they've been, um, early on in the season. Um, so they've, they've been a little better of late. Uh, so that, that's good to know, uh, for this week, uh, facing that horrible Baltimore Orioles team. Uh, Joe, who you got for Wednesday? Um, I actually went pretty deep on this one. Um, I have that section in my article where I pick players that are owned in like 10% or less of leagues, Bantrex, and um, you get you get really deep into the uh, into the fifth starters and the the recent call-ups and all. But uh, here's a guy who's been around for a little while, but I don't think I've ever written about him. But I picked on Stephen Brault from the Pittsburgh Pirates. I might not have pronounced his last name right, mm-hmm. but um, he's got he's, he's either going to pitch Wednesday against Detroit, or he's going to pitch Thursday against San Diego, and that was still up in the air when I wrote my article. So I don't know if that's been settled yet, but mm. I think either way, whether he's facing the Tigers in Pittsburgh or he's facing San Diego in Pittsburgh, either way, he's got a good a good matchup going, um, especially if he gets the Padres. Uh, the, the Padres are hitting horribly against lefties on the road. Um, the uh, And the Tigers are also hitting poorly against lefties on the road, but not nearly as badly as the, as the Padres. I think I I would be happy mm-hmm. with either of those starts right there if I had to go this deep into the abyss because, I mean, you know, in most of our leagues, I don't think we're picking up players that are 11% owned. Um, but if we get to that point, if if you have no choice, if there's nothing on the on the shelf there, and this guy's sitting there, then I think he's worth worth either one of those starts for Wednesday. Nice. Yeah, uh, he, he's a good option for uh, both of those days. Um, the guy that I was looking at, um, is um, Marco Gonzalez, uh, the lefty from Seattle. He's on, he's just under 50% owned, um, so he might not be available in your league if it's one of those deeper leagues, but he's facing Kansas City. Um, he's above 500, 7 and 6. Uh, he doesn't get many strikeouts, only 62 and in 90 innings. Um, and a 4.50 ERA and a 1.39 whip. So if you're Looking for a guy who could get a win, maybe a quality start. Uh, Marco Gonzalez could be um, in line for uh, both of those on Wednesday. Thursday, um, we're, we're past the midway point of the week. Uh, Thursday, uh, Joe, who you got for Thursday? Thursday, I have um, – I'm sorry. I was just looking at uh, – I was just looking at the guy you just mentioned real quickly. You said Marco Gonzalez was how? I don't know. For some reason, in fan tracks, he's only like 82% of leagues. I would love to write about him, but he doesn't make my uh, he doesn't make my cut. Yeah, it's 46. Um, yeah, it's 46% according to the numbers I have. I don't know. I think it's like Yahoo, but I'm not sure. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it depends on yeah. Um, I think uh, Fantrax goes a little deeper because they have a lot of a lot of uh, um, what do you call them right. uh, dynasty leagues and, and stuff like that. 
and Yahoo has a lot, has a lot of dead leaks too sometimes, which will distort numbers. Um, but for mm-hmm. for uh, Thursday, I have Michael Waka, and um, I'm not excited about Michael Waka, but this this looks like a pretty good set of uh, of um, matchup a matchup for him. I mean, not a set of them, but one matchup for him. Um, he didn't quite make my article, but I, I was I was thinking about putting him in there. But um, the uh, Miami Marlins obviously can't hit lefties or righties for for from you know very well, um, especially when they're on the road. So um, even though Walker's not a guy I would want to own right about now, I think that particular matchup I'm gonna if he's on the wire near me I'm gonna grab him and throw him in there against Miami. But yeah, I didn't put him in the article Michael because Walker's I just wasn't a, excited enough about him. Right. Uh, he's had an interesting year, um, a 6 ERA, but uh, going against Miami is always uh, a little bit easier on um, a pitcher, especially. Uh, though it's weird because Miami's had some games where they put up some runs. It, it just depends on uh, how Jorge Al- Alfaro's doing. Um and I think Harold Ramirez has been uh, pretty good for them uh, at times, uh, at least over the past week. I've seen his name a lot. Um, Cole, who we got for Thursday? Yeah, so for Thursday, you know, starting to get a, a, a little bit of the twist, tw- uh, the switchover rather for, for some of these matchup series. Like for instance, I have uh, the the Minnesota Kansas City from the Minnesota perspective matchup written down. Though uh, Odu Rizzi isn't the pitcher I expect to be uh, the least owned. Um, Suarez uh, of the LA Angels goes up uh, against Toronto. Uh, that should be one of the uh, better matchup induced uh, starts you you can get. Um, you know I, I, I like Suarez. Uh, for a time last year, I'm trying to pull something up really quick while I'm going over this. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on, typing with one hand. Um, no but uh, <laughs> Jose uh, Jose Suarez, 21 years old, uh, just got up to the big league. So again, uh, the same kind of general. Um, argument that we were making earlier that this is a young player uh, has a lot of variability. Um, isn't likely to go too deep into the game, has shown a little bit of a tendency to, to have some of those young things stick out, you know, a couple walks here and there, uh, home run rates pretty high, 169 uh, in, in his first small, small sample of size. Um, but, you know, he, he gets pop-ups. He's been a little uh, unlucky in terms of giving up a, a fair number of infield hits. He's got, uh, you know, I talked about earlier how it's only one start, so it's hard to make much of it. Um, but but that Yamamoto's uh, swing strike rate was a little low. That number was a little over 7%. Yep. Um, despite having a 7.31 K9, uh, Suarez's swing strike rate is over 14%, uh, which is actually fairly substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, this is the kind of guy who I think they're looking at as uh, a potential Andrew Miller in the future. Not necessarily to, to that extent you're, you're – I'm I'm stretching it by by uh, by naming the ideal, uh, but a for a former starter who's uh, just has the look of a Lukey, I think to some extent. 
uh, a dominant loogie, and we've seen him have dominant strikeout numbers uh, in the bigs, but we've also seen him kind of taking a step back once he got to higher-level right-handed competition. So I I think what you're looking at in Suarez is I think Jose Suarez is going to be a name that we know, especially being 21 and having accomplished all he's accomplished, even if he's uh, a little bit rough around the edges. What I'm really interested in seeing is if Jose Suarez uh, can continue to make strides into being a starting pitcher uh, or if the future that, that we're going to have for him is, is going to be more along the lines of uh, being converted into hopefully an Andrew Miller type for the uh, LA Angels uh, at 5'10", to, uh, 5'10 as well. He's 5'10 inches tall. Um, I could see that uh, definitely being the case. So, you know, this is a guy who probably struggles uh, a bit with his fastball command uh, due to that size. I, I haven't uh, gotten to see him quite enough, but uh, that, that's what I would assume there. Uh, and then, yeah, just Jose Suarez is an interesting guy to add in leagues at 21 years old and uh, also keep an eye on him down the road uh, because even if, even if the starting pitching experiment fails, he might end up being uh, a pretty good relief pitcher at the bullpen. Nice, yeah. Uh, uh, that's one guy that definitely people should start grabbing before he's uh, he's only two percent owned right now. So uh, feel free to grab him uh, if you can. Uh, another uh, another young arm, uh, Bramber Valdez, who's gone uh, start uh, a few times in a row in the Astros rotation, goes against the Yankees. Sure, it's at Yankee Stadium, but I don't know. I, I feel like. I've seen enough from him that he might be able to actually handle this Yankees lineup, even though they're starting to get healthy. Um, they still strike out a, quite a bit, so uh, Valdez should Shame be able you. to uh, rack up the case. What Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, go well, ahead and start uh, him against the Yankees. I, I, I wanna, I, go ahead and start him against the Yankees. I hope you're playing me that week. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, if he's available on Thursday, I'll be starting him. Uh, That's all I'm saying. Uh, I I read about him uh, a lot yesterday. I was thinking about putting him in the article, and then I saw the Yankee matchup, and that was the only reason I didn't put him in there. So otherwise, I was ready to put him in the article. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, We we shall see. Uh, We'll see how he does on Thursday. Um, Friday, uh, Cole, who you got on Friday? All right, so for the Friday, now, now we've got full matchups, or at least uh, most most teams have full, mm-hmm. brand-new sets of matchups. Um, uh, the Arizona-San Francisco set of matchups, I think, is particularly interesting. Uh, the Detroit at Cleveland uh, set of matchups is uh, particularly interesting uh, to me. Uh, you get Friday, uh, uh, Arizona has, has Clark going. Uh, against San Francisco, uh, and Detroit has Soto going uh, against the Cleveland Indians. Um, what I really like about the Soto matchup, and let me pull that one up too. Sorry about this. I usually have more of these pages pulled up, or I'm going between them uh, a lot easier. But uh, 24 years old, so again, we're at the 24 or younger uh, class with, I think, a lot of the pitchers that we've brought up. Uh, Soto is the one who's clearly uh, – performed the worst or has he been optioned to triple a i'm seeing that report now so he might have been optioned to triple a so i'll just say in general uh that he 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 fills into the same class as jose suarez if he is indeed staying up uh it's 
not necessarily is he going to be a good major leaguer, but is this the, the right role that he fits in uh, as a left-hander, uh, someone who gives up some walks, someone who gives up some home runs. Uh, still like the Cleveland Indians matchup. Don't know who comes up for the Detroit Tigers on Friday to play up against the Cleveland Indians, but uh, that's one of the, the matchups I would go into uh, the most. Uh, like I also said, uh, Clark against San Francisco from the Arizona side of things, uh, I think that's one of the more interesting matchups uh, you can get this week. And then, um, you know, he, he's gone up and down some people's boards and, and you know, what we thought about him. Uh, but if Martin Perez also happens to be uh, someone who, who's either been dropped or still floating on a waiver wire at some point um, in, in your league, he, he has a favorable matchup uh, at Kansas City. Uh, mentioned the Minnesota uh, situation earlier for, for this matchup, for this weekend matchup uh, against Kansas City. So, um, you know, a couple guys, guys there are uh, – Less owned, depending on where you are and shallower, how shallow your league is. Odorizzi Barrios probably still gone, but uh, Martin Perez and Michael Pineda at least have a, a bit of a higher chance uh, to go up against Kansas City and get that win. Nice. Yeah. Uh, those are a couple good options for people to look at uh, across the board. Uh, Friday, who you got, Joe? Well, and I, when I look at spot starts, I do one of two things. I either go for a home run like I do with like I'm going to do with Yamamoto, um, or I try to pick Mr. Stable. And um, right now, Mr. Stable is a guy who's owned by 48% of leagues in Fantrax. He's given up, and this is what I love. I love this stat. He's given up one one walk or less in his last four starts. One walk or less in his last four mm-hmm. starts in a row. His KBB is 21 to two during that stretch, which is not the 21 part's not that high, but um, he's not a big strikeout pitcher, but this is Chase Anderson of the Milwaukee Brewers. And um, he gets to p- pitch against the Cincinnati Reds on Friday at home in Milwaukee. And the Reds are actually the league worst hitter against righties on the road. So they have a 277 Woba, 216 batting average. Um, they, they are absolutely, when you look at in Fangrass, they're absolutely the actual, actual last place team in all of baseball against righties at home on the road, I mean. Uh, so I would call that a must-start. That's a fantasy must-start right there. If he if he's not owned already, he's in there out there in uh, 48% of the leagues, 52% of the leagues should still have him sitting on the wire. Um, if you need a start for a random Friday, then there he is right there. Yeah, definitely. Um, the guy I'm looking at, he's he's around 30% owned. Uh, he just actually left the game due to get a hit in the back of the neck by a line drive off of the bat of um, J.T. Romuto, uh, Sean Newcomb. Today? Uh, he, Today? Uh, no, uh, uh, yesterday. Huh? Yesterday he got hit. It was 102 miles per hour right off the back of his neck. He walked off under his own power, but uh, he's scheduled to start on Friday at Washington. And he's been he's been solid this year. I mean, only 34 in the third innings, but a 2.380 RA. He got sent down pretty early and was working out of the bullpen for a little bit. But uh, he's come out come into his own and really developed into um, a reliable uh, spot starter. If that's what you're looking for. So that's who I have for Friday. Uh, Saturday, Joe. Uh, who you got? Saturday. Um, well, Saturday I'm back to Andrew Kashner again. Um, 
Yeah. He started he started on Monday and he's going to go again on uh, Saturday versus the Mariners again in Seattle, uh, where they're not hitting too well against Rice. Um, so I'm I'm rolling with him again on Saturday. Not much to say about okay. him any, yeah. anymore uh, at this point, but yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can uh, go to Sunday if you want. That's good. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and uh, we'll 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 come to Sunday after uh after yeah, we cool. give a, a couple of our guys for Saturday. Uh, Cole, what do we got for Saturday? <laughs> um, you know, this one might be uh a little too owned, or I I don't know what the ownership situation is for Spencer Turnbull. He doesn't seem to get. Uh, as much credit as, as his, his numbers suggest. I mean, coming now, he had a bad game today. Gave up uh, six earned runs and five innings pitched. But that six earned runs and five innings pitched actually inflated his ERA to 3.27. I mean, it was under three uh, coming into the game. Mm-hmm. It went up actually about a half of a run from about a 2.75 to about a 3.25 uh, area. Um, you know his his FIP is a little higher. His X FIP is a full run higher because he's been suppressing home runs all year. Um, didn't happen today though. I guess he only gave up one home run, uh, making it his seventh of the year. Uh, but Spencer Turnbull is obviously a, a pretty interesting pitcher in general. Uh, gets Cleveland, so so that's a, a positive matchup or or one that's I think likely to or more likely to turn into some uh, results. Uh, other than that, you know, I didn't love picking that matchup, but I also felt uh, like I struggled to find a, a really good open matchup. I, I felt like, you know, a lot of my matchups yeah. that I liked, like the Twins had had a Barrios going that day. Um, you know, Miami Marlins are up against Philadelphia, but they happened to catch Jake Arrieta, who uh, is a big enough name that I just never expect him to be uh, at, at the level that I'm going to suggest. You know, it just sounds, it just, I know it's been multiple years since he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball, but I don't think I'm ever going to be uh, normal with saying, uh, you know, that I would want Jake Arietta to be a streamer. That just doesn't sound right. Uh, right. Even if he is available in some leagues, I think it's more likely that uh, you just don't think about a player like that as a streamer. And I don't think, uh, he's being streamed in many leagues. I think he's being held either because of name value or because of the, you know, the not terrible uh, numbers that he puts up. Um, so, yeah, I think just in general, this is, this is a light day to me. Um, you know, Tommy Malone against Baltimore uh, is, is another one I could throw out there. The Seattle Baltimore series. I don't know if I wrote that one down specifically, but I should have. Uh, I did write specifically that uh, Seattle as a whole, I don't think I've mentioned this one yet, has an incredible week this week. If you, have any kind of gem in the rough uh, of the, you know, any of the five starters, really, if you can get your, your hands on them for, for a week uh, in, in some kind of format. Uh, if you believe in one of these guys, they're going up against Kansas City and Baltimore this week. Um, so that, that's, that's like your easiest week of the week, so to speak. You know, that, that's the matchup. Uh, I think Seattle's going to have a lot of easy, easy offenses this week. So uh, I, I like picking from there uh, in terms of this week's matchups. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned him. Oh, well, I, I believe Cole, you mentioned him. Uh, Felix Pena. Uh, he plays at St. Louis. And uh, I feel like that's an all right matchup for him to be in. Uh, so if you're looking for a two-star pitcher, Felix Pena uh, might be, the way to go uh, as well because he has a second start on Saturday. Um, Cole, we'll finish it up with Sunday with you. Uh, who you got? 
Yes, yeah, so Sunday. Um, I mentioned Michael Pineda a little bit earlier. I think this is an interesting yep. matchup for him at Kansas City if he's available. Uh, has some strikeouts. Doesn't give up a lot of walks, but at the same time, that you know, Michael Pineda has always been the same guy. He's just he can look good for a, an inning. He can look good for three innings. He can even look good for five innings. But it just always feels like, uh, you know, what it feels like. It feels like he's a piece of dynamite, and the wick might be a different size every matchup. But at some point, the wick's going to get to the end of the dynamite, and it's going to explode. And sometimes he's got some really uh, long wicks and he can get away with it for a while. Sometimes he can get away with it for a full game, which is what you're kind of hoping when he goes up against a team uh, like Kansas City. Um, but, you know, those are the, you know, the, the reasons I gave, the, the negative isn't necessarily the reason why you don't stream him. It's more the reason why I think he's, you know, available, consistently available, and probably should stay available. Um, <laughs> excuse me. But when your goal is to just not give up a lot of hard hit hard fly balls, damaging hits. Uh, one of the most advantageous things you can do is simply to play a team that isn't as likely to get big, large, and advantageous hits. Um, and, and that's what we get in, in the Kansas City Royals. Um, because, you know, as a player who does do a fairly good job of limiting base runners and getting those strikeouts, I, I think it's likely that uh, he can, uh, Pineda can make it through this Kansas City team uh, without getting too messed up too too quickly uh and that could end up uh being a solid start and if you can uh throw in the strikeouts as well uh that'll be a, a solid thing to get at um mentioned Plesak earlier uh Plesak's first matchup of the week is you know a b minus matchup for sure uh because you got to go up against that is still solid texas team and you got to do it in arlington uh, which is, you know, less than ideal. Uh, but Plesak's second matchup uh, at home, I believe, but regardless of fact, is against the Detroit Tigers. That's a much better better matchup, uh, one that you actually, you know, can get excited by. And uh, conversely, on the other side of the mound, you have Daniel Norris facing the Cleveland Indians. So, you know, this game in general is one uh, that I would probably take the under on and, and look for uh, some of these pitchers to, to have some decent games against some of the uh, worst offenses in baseball. So, so that's what I got just to wrap up the week. Nice. Yeah. Uh, both, uh, both, uh, both those guys are uh, great options. Uh, if you're looking to stream on the final day of next week, uh, Joe, who you got for Sunday? Sunday, I have Merrill Kelly from the Diamondbacks. Um, who's also got to okay. start on Tuesday. Uh, versus the Colorado Rockies, so he's a two-star pitcher next week. And the Rocky game is is in Arizona, so he's not going to be playing in the mountains during the desert instead, so it's not as bad. Um, but this is funny. When I was right, started this article yesterday, Merrill Kelly was 59% owned in fan tracks, so I decided to sneak him in my article, even though he's you know 9% higher than my threshold. But now, right now, he's right. at 67% owned. So he jumped, he jumped almost 10 points yeah. overnight, and um, – I'm sure that's because of this two-star match, two matchup that he's got next week. Right. But um, Ke- Kelly's one of those guys. I wrote about Kelly earlier in the year, and then I forgot about him, and uh, he came and went. And um, all of a sudden now, he's uh, one of the fastest-growing ownership rates of any pitcher on the wire right now. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I used to think of him as a matchups guy, but oh, all of a sudden now he just rattled off three quality starts in a row, gave up one runner or less, um, 18 to 2, KBB over those 22 innings. Um, yeah. And he's got seven quality starts in his last nine games. 
and the best part is wins count still. Most most leagues still count wins. He's got seven of them. He's 14 starts, so he just won off the staff leader, Zach Greinke, and wins. Um, 373 yeah. ERA, which, you know, that's not ace-like, but it's it's uh, definitely better than the average spot starter. Um, he spent three seasons playing in South Korea. Um, and in South Korea, he, he earned 48 wins over three years. Uh, so the Diamondbacks decided to uh, you know, throw some money at him to bring him back. But... um. Yeah. So a lot of people, a lot of people just remember him maybe from when he was pitching, you know, five to six years ago for the Padres. But um, I think he's a different guy now. He's, you know, past his uh, development years, and um, I think the I think the Diamondbacks stumbled on something good, and he's probably not going to be uh, on the wire very much longer. Yeah. Uh, definitely. You got the Giants. Uh, you got uh, the Giants next way. week, and uh, but yeah, the the Giants. Um, are one of the worst against against righties at home. Righties on the road, I mean. Right. And then uh, Colorado Rockies are also really poor on the road against righties, so it works out pretty right. good. Yeah. If you still have him yeah, on the wire. If you, I, would, I would go, if I was somebody right now, I'd go look right now because if he's still there, I'd grab him. There's no doubt. He's probably not there, but right. we'll take, take a look. Yeah, he, he hit a p- bit of a rough patch uh, after a few starts, and then the last, like, three or four starts, he's been wiped out, as you said. Um, the guy I was looking at, um, another two-start guy, uh, Tyler Skaggs, uh, is playing at St. Louis. Um, St. Louis has been hit or miss this season, but uh, I feel like the lefty bat will uh, count, counter uh, Matt Carpenter. Uh, and Matt Carpenter has been uh, having a three uh, – has been good over the past uh, – Two or three weeks, uh, so that's that's one matchup that I'm looking at on Sunday. Well, before we we move on to the rest of our show, um, I want to remind our audience of our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for Thrive Fantasy Sports, which is a prop bet-based site that uses over and unders for players in MLB, NBA, and NFL to make a lineup. And more sports are on the way. You can go to ThriveFantasy.com or on phones and tablets in the Apple and Google Play stores. You can look for a Thrive Fantasy app. After you download, use the promo code MLFS. That's just the initials for Major League Fantasy Sports. MLFS. You'll get your first $10 match in real time. That's right. If you put 10 bucks in, you'll get another $10 in real time. Just use the promo code MLFS in the Thrive Fantasy app on the Apple and Google Play stores or on thrivefantasy.com. And also remember to donate to our Patreon account. You can go to majorleaguefantasysports.com. Along the right side of the page, just under the headline section, you'll find the Patreon donation button. You can set up a monthly donation for as little as $1 or make a one-time donation. Thank you to our current supporters. We also have multiple openings in our football leagues for the upcoming season, so you can get a jump start on football for 2019. You can email Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com with any questions or to ask for more details. So we'll move on now. Um, I asked you guys to compile a list of guys um, who should be picked up or basically uh, mainly hitters. Uh, that should be picked up um, either because of runs that they've been on or because they should not be on the waiver wire anymore. Uh, Cole, we'll start with your guys. 
All right, sure thing. So um, I have a small little list here, uh, stalling a little bit just to make yeah. sure that I don't cross over any of uh, any of Joe's guys because I didn't write my list out <laughs> like Joe did before. I And I don't want to steal no his guys when he, he went through the time to give them to us. But uh, I'm going over a, a different list now. Um, you know, Renato, Renato Nunez of the Baltimore Orioles has, has been gaining and gaining. I think he's the kind of guy who um, has actually been – being pulled back by the uh, analytical community, for lack of a better phrasing, you know, a kind of guy that, um, you know, myself included, hasn't necessarily bought into when we've been telling people, hey, this guy's got terrible plate discipline. We don't have any reason to believe this will keep it up, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, don't add him. And, you know, I don't think those reasons for, for players in general aren't, uh, good reasons, but at this point he has 16 home runs and 245 plate appearances, um, uh, 10 bombs in the past 30 days, uh, and I, I think a lot of the the important thing to point to when it comes to Nunez is that you know it all, all depends on the price. I'm still not willing to pay for Nunez. He hasn't showed me the the, the specific changes, the things that I would need to see uh, for him to change from a player that I don't believe in to a player uh, I completely believe in. But if you are in one of the mm-hmm. you know 50 plus percentage of leagues, roughly, where he is still an available player, uh, especially if you need power, uh, you know, corner infield power, you can pick this guy up uh, off the wires or maybe get him, a, you, you know, for a cheap a cheap price uh, and and benefit from that. Um, one player who I, I believe might still be injured, uh, but but if not, he, he should be coming back uh, fairly soon is, is Jake Lamb for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, a lot of people believe mm-hmm. in the, uh, the breakout of Christian Walker. Uh, I was actually never one of them just because his swing strike rate and the swing strike rate on fastballs was so unbelievably yeah. high. Um, and, uh, we've seen him uh, come back to earth, uh, not just come back to earth, kind of go past it and, and prove, I think, in my opinion, that uh, he isn't an everyday player. He hit, uh, he hit 307 with seven home runs in March and April, and that's when everybody was, you know, really pounding the table for him. Uh, he hit 208 with three home runs in May. Uh, he hit 222, or he has hit 222. Uh, with two home runs so far this year, uh, you know his, his OBPs the last two months have been 283 and 314. That's the kind of guy I see him as: 210, uh, 300 uh, OBP, and, and just a little bit better on the slugging percentage, but close to what he's done so far to date. Um, you know that, that's not a very intriguing guy. If that guy played center field, he would be all right uh, because that's such a hard defensive position uh but you can't you can't have your first baseman doing that especially in the national league where you don't have a dh you have literally one place and i don't mean to say this to be a detriment or to make fun of first baseman but you got one place where you can stick a schlubby guy uh who's not that you know (laughs) fast not that athletic not that you know quick twitch in terms of oh, of what he's able to hit rangy he's not rangy in, in any way shape form capacity you can just stick him on the base you can say every now and then someone's going to throw a ball to you and you just got to catch it um and you know i'm obviously <laughs> oversimplifying things uh you know i'm obviously oversimplifying things but there 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 is one position every other position is way 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 harder 
uh, physically, and you you get you know you have to do so much. Uh, more in the field and, and your bat can justify you so much. I think, you know, I think a lot of the times where we as fans uh, in particular miss out on why a team is struggling is because we look at total numbers and not necessarily where someone's getting those numbers from. Cause we just bat an eye when someone hits like 260 with a 350 OBP uh, and 30 home runs from the first base. It's like, Oh, he's just, he's just a Lucas Duda. He's just an all right player. Um, but you know, if, if you get that production, in any other position, that's an incredible baseball player. It's just, you, you know, you just lose a little bit mm-hmm. from being first base. Uh, Christian Walker's on the further end of that to where it's, you know, you have to be a certain level of good to justify being a first baseman with the stick. That's the whole point of the position. It's doubly important in the National League where you don't have two such positions. Uh, it's just, it is the stick position. and I mean, every position is about the stick. You know, I, I, I'm sure... You know, being competent is hard to to quantify. You know, obviously, I'm sure teams wouldn't want uh, someone who literally couldn't run but could hit uh, playing center field. But, you know, in general, the hitting aspect is probably the slightly more important one. Um, But for first base in particular, you have to hit a certain way, that 260-30 home run marker. And if you can't get up to there, you just aren't good enough to cut it at that position in this sport. You're just never going to benefit the team all that much. Uh, and I think Christian Walker is the kind of guy uh, who has enough hit to hit. He has enough hit to potentially make the power play well enough to be another position, but to hit well enough to be a first base. I just don't see it. He's 28 years old. I just don't see any way that this guy's going to hit well enough to be a first baseman. So uh, I know a lot of people had him taking the job in April full on running away with it. Uh, But to me, this is absolute, this isn't a platoon at all. This isn't a situational play at all. Uh, If Christian Walker gets time, it's because Jake Lamb's being moved around diamond. I think this is, uh, you know, Jake Lamb's position to come into. I think he's, you know, five times the hitter that Christian Walker is, and he might even still be younger because Christian Walker, again, is 28 years old. It's not like he's a uh, an incredibly young player. So um, that that's one way, uh, place I would go with it is the Jake Lamb uh, situation just because, uh, again, I, I don't think that Christian Walker is, is going to keep him out of that job. Um, I mentioned uh, Joey Gallo's injury um, earlier on. Um, you know, Texas, again, isn't one of the best lineups, but at the same time, they are uh, currently right neck and neck uh, with Boston and Cleveland for that third wild card spot, or excuse me, second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the, it's the two two dominant teams in the AL East that are taking up the AL East in the first wild card spot and in the Yankees and Rays. Um, but the, the next three or four teams competing are the Red Sox, the Indians, uh uh, the Rangers, uh, to an extent, uh, you know, th- these are the teams competing uh, for the last the last spot, and I think the Rangers uh, are interesting because we didn't necessarily expect this from them, but they're a solid team. They do have a solid offense, uh, especially when they're up against uh, righties. They have quite a few lefties in that lineup, even with Gallo down. Um, that can make scoring interesting. So, you know, Delano Shields has never been a player that I've been uh, particularly high on. The hit tool to me is just not there to where I'd want it to be uh, in terms of just straight bat to ball, ball and the way he drives. Um, I, I don't like it that much, but he does have speed and more than speed. He does have a 
really strong batter's eye. Um, and, you know, his, so his ability to use speed and take walks uh, alone, you know, if you're playing a five-by-five, five, I wouldn't actually recommend it uh, just because I'm not a big enough fan. If you don't play in a five-by-five, five, I wouldn't recommend it just because I'm not the biggest Atlanta Shields fan. Um, but in our five-by-five five game, speed is so unbelievably important uh, that I feel like a player – like the line of the shields uh, becomes interesting right away. And I would put them uh, as a potential go out and get them type guy. Um, one Miami Marlin who's been absolutely tearing the cover off uh, is, uh, is uh, Garrett Cooper. I know my friend Johnny who on the road to world for forums is uh, is Brock paper sizer has been a, a big fan of, of him, or at least started the thread on him. Uh, as a as a potential breakout, um, you know Garrett Cooper is the kind of guy who has to prove it to me with consistency, not with uh, domination. Um, there's a, there's a big difference to me. What Garrett Cooper's proving right now is right. that uh, when when he connects the hit tool to his power tool, uh, when he does that, he's able to connect, make a lot of power, uh, and make some very good numbers. What he hasn't proven to me is if the hit tool is good enough. Uh, to continually and consistently uh, get that hard contact out of them, especially as pitchers uh, adapt and develop around them. So really Garrett Cooper has proven nothing to me uh, other than that he has power, which he's always had and proven uh, from the beginning. But I do think it's interesting, you know, seeing what he's done so far this year. Um, I think it's interesting to put some eyeballs on him uh, and see if we can come away with, you know, what many people thought Christian Walker could have been. Uh, and then last but not least, um, I've talked about him on at least one show before. Oscar Mercado isn't going to blow the roof off your doors in any way. He's putting up a solid batting average right now. But it's more the case that uh, the Cleveland Indians, I don't think, have a very good lineup. But the thing about lineups are they're so exponential in the way they can grow. Um, if Jose Ramirez turns it around, if Francisco Lindor is playing uh, at the level he, he needs to be, they, they and you know even Carlos Santana is chipping in, a couple guys like that, I think they, they only really need to start plugging in some of the big holes, uh, and, and then they can really see a, not a turnaround to be uh, next to the Twins, but a turnaround to be uh, a top 15 offense or, or close to it uh, and something that could legitimately make a deep playoff run. Uh, with the starting pitchers they have. I think Mercado is one of the best cases uh, of a guy who could potentially fill in one of those holes. Um, as of at least this article, I'm, I'm, po- I'm poking some, some little bits of data on, which is a Roto World article, or excuse me, a Roto Baller uh, article. Um, he, he was hitting uh, above 300 recently against right-handers, uh, 295 overall, um, has a little bit of speed. Uh, pop has a little bit of speed so uh mercado i believe originally or recently uh with the cardinals organization now getting some closer to full-time playing time with the cleveland indians uh he he's an interesting guy to me and that's about all for mine nice yeah yeah those are all great guys uh that people should watch uh especially for consistency purposes all those guys have been uh nothing but consistent uh for basically the whole season or since they've been called up. Uh, Joe, what do you think about those guys? And uh, who, who, what guys uh, do you think people should go out and pick up? Well, the, the first guy I wanted to talk about um, is, and most, most of my guys here are going to be veterans who have been around a while, but who get forgotten about right. a lot in, uh, in, in, in leagues. One of them is Josh Reddick of the Astros. Um, 
right extra 300 hitter. He always always pretty much has been. He's always been kind of a platoon guy, though. If, if a good, tough lefty was on the mound, Reddick was on the bench. And um, I'm looking at his splits today, and believe it or not, Reddick is hitting 367 against lefties this year so far and 282 against righties. Um, granted, there's a lot less at-bats there because they do still sit him against lefties, but um, I think he put away some of the, those uh, those uh, standards of him that he can't hit lefties because he's doing a pretty good job this year. But um, even if this guy doesn't play every day, I mean, I think we all have room for one extra outfielder on our teams for the most part. And uh, anytime he's in there, with, you know, with a good again a good matchup, I keep saying that word, but if, if he's up against righties or maybe not so ace-like lefty, then uh, he should be in there. He does have some power, but he mainly hits for average. And I think one thing you want in your lineup, you need a couple of guys who are going to hit for a high batting average, even if they don't contribute in a lot of the counting stats. Um, because you got plenty of counting stat guys who don't contribute to your batting average. So it's nice to have uh, Josh Reddick in there at least, you know, three, four times a week. Um, I was going to mention Hunter Pence because I, I think Hunter Pence has surprised a lot of people this year. Or maybe not surprised right. people, but I, I think a lot of people – he surprised me because I've always been a fan of his. All my Ever since Hunter Pence was in the minor leagues, I've been watching him and, uh, you know, uh-huh. liking him as a player. And – um you know, last few years he's been a shell of himself, and I, you know, I thought it was mainly because of aging injuries and all that. But this year he seems healthy, and uh, well, until until yesterday anyway. Uh, but he seems healthy and he seems um, productive. He's on pace for his normals during his peak years. Uh, so you know, in, in the area of right. 20 some odd home runs and 100 RBIs. But yesterday he did uh, experience some groin tightness, and they took him out of the game. They actually, that's actually what they diagnosed it as, too. They they came out with a diagnosis later today and it said groin tightness, which I didn't know that was a diagnosis mm-hmm. anymore, but, or, or now, but <laughs> so it is. But anyway, um, another guy, though, that I really like, um, and he's not so much a veteran, but I, I think he's been around a little while, um, but um, on the Pirates third baseman, Moran, Colin Moran, um, He's still he's still only owned in forty forty two percent of leagues. So sixty percent of leagues have him sitting on the wire. And, you know, I'm not saying he's gonna be a, a three hundred hitting thirty home run third baseman, but he's on pace for almost that right now. Um he's 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 on pace for well into the high twenties in home runs and, you know, ninety some odd RBIs. Yeah. Um he's doing it slowly, he's doing it, you know, methodically, he's not gonna excite anybody. But, hey, I mean, there are a lot of third basemen out there who hit 30 home runs and driving 100 runs. There really aren't. So if you can, you can grab Colin Moran and stick him in your third base hole if you have a hole there, um, yeah. that's what I did. I lost I lost Jake Lamb in one league, and um, I picked up Moran pretty early on, and I, I never looked back. And I have a decision to make when Lamb does come back, though, because he's also third nice. base eligible. Um, last there was what, two last guys here. What, one is um, – Kind of a, another forgotten guy. There's a lot of people who love the multi-position guys. Like for years, Ben Zobrist yeah. was, was a, a favorite of people. And um, my favorite right now is Mar- Marlon Gonzalez. And he got off to a horrible start this year. I almost dropped him. I, I don't know yeah. on all my teams. I almost dropped him on several of them because he was hitting 180 or so until like mid-May. And um, I almost tossed him, but I, I held tight. In one league, he's my actual second baseman. I drafted him as that, and I don't have anybody better, so... Um, but all of a sudden, he's starting to hit. He's hitting for power. He's um, stealing a few bases. 
But the most important thing is, and, and it's only important if a guy can hit. If a guy can't hit, this doesn't make it matter at all. Right. But Gonzalez is, is eligible at first, second, third, short, and outfield. So catcher's the only spot he's not eligible for unless you have a league where they designate center field, left field, right field, and he's not eligible in center field. But he can play anywhere else. Anywhere else on the, on the field you want to stick him. So if you have a, a high right. guy at one position, you can move move, uh, move Gonzalez to another position. If you're missing a guy, then Gonzalez will fit in that spot. So, um, And the last guy, this is more of, a, of an optimism on my part, but I was high on uh, Kristen Stewart of the Tigers going into this season. Yeah. Um, not so much for batting average, but I, I thought he was going to be a, a good source of power. And um, he got off to a slow start also. I didn't give up on him, though. I, I held tight, and uh, now he's starting to hit. And um, yeah. obviously he's got a limited lineup around him, but I think Stewart's going to be a, mm-hmm. a fairly good player going forward. And he's available, yeah. Ab- yeah, available in more than half the leagues. Yeah, he's he's a nice little option. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is actually starting to hit a little bit for power, so that could help uh, his production as well. Um, and Castellanos has been uh, lost at the plate, it seems like, all season. But uh, I think he's starting to pick it up as well, so that might help his production. Uh, Christian Stewart's production as well. Um, I'll give a few guys uh, who are just who are starting to be picked up a lot, but are still like under owned. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. I know he's only been up six games, but he already has four home runs uh, for the Astros. Uh, if you see him, pick him up because he's gonna he's probably gonna be up for a while and. Uh, he's shown that uh, he has some pop in his bat, um, especially in the minors. I think he had 23 home runs in the minors uh, before being called up. Uh, Scott Kingery, another guy, uh, multiple positions. Uh, he's starting to get everyday run uh, in Philadelphia at multiple different positions, especially third base, since uh, Michael Franco's really uh, had a tough year after his hot start. Um, but Kingery is hitting 347 on the year with eight home runs, 21 RBI, and a couple stolen bases. So that's that's another guy. And then catcher, uh, I know it's not talked about much, but uh, Robinson Chirinos, uh, he's only owned in about 35% of ESPN leagues. Uh, he may only be hitting 243 and 211 over his last seven, but he provides a nice little source of power. He has 12 home runs on the season. Uh, and he also dri- has driven in almost 40 runs already. So that's, that's one guy um, at the catcher position that people should be flocking to if you are struggling at that position. Um, we'll move on now to our series previews. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you, um, and then we'll move on to Cole, and then we'll wrap up. All right. Well, my weekday um, matchup I picked out was uh, Washington versus Philadelphia Monday through Thursday. Um, no, okay. This, obviously, has playoff implications. Um, but one of the reasons I love it, though, is, is the quality of the pitching, especially on the side of the Washington Nationals. Um, they're gonna, the uh, Phillies are going to have to face Corbin, Scherzer, and Strasburg in that in that series, and Fetty, uh, which mm-hmm. is a guy I wrote about recently, but um, obviously not on the level of the other three guys. But um, And I know the Mets have seen those same three guys a few times, and it's, it's not, not an easy task to, you know, come up with a few wins against those guys. 
Um, the Phillies have Arietta, Eflin, Pivetta, and Nola going. We already talked about Arietta. I feel bad for the guy, actually. I, I don't think he was ever quite as good as he was that one year. Um, but um, you, you're already talking about him like he's uh, Felix Hernandez or CC uh, Sabathia, but I think he's got a ways <laughs> to go before, he's, before he falls off that cliff. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron Nola is obviously an ace, but uh, Pivetta and Eflin are starting to get back to the excitement that they showed last year. Um, so I like that series. Uh, the other series I like is in the American League. Um, of course, my team, the Yankees, against the Houston Astros Thursday through Sunday. Also big playoff implications. And um, the, the Yankees' starting pitching staff is, is their big question mark. And I think it will be interesting to see this week how Paxton, Tanaka, and Hap, which arguably are the three best pitchers right now, um, or they should be, um, with with, uh, with the injuries they have. But um, – I want to see how those guys do against the Astros. They have a Thursday. They have a to be determined. So I don't know if they're going to use um, Chad Green again as an opener. Which I love Chad Green. Right. I've, I've been a big fan of Chad Green's, but he's having a horrible year. And he had a horrible year last year too. So um, if he can throw a couple of innings at the beginning of the game though and strike out six guys like he did last time, um, that might be a good mix for him because he certainly is not doing it well as a reliever anymore. Um, and then on the Astros side. They have obviously Verlander going against uh, Hap on on uh, Sunday, but before that you have Valdez, who we talked about a little bit, uh, Brad Peacock and Wade Miley. So the Yankees aren't exactly facing all aces there. Um, I didn't see Cole listed in their uh, in their schedule, so I'm not sure what happened to Cole. Did he get hurt or something? Garrett Cole. Um, I haven't heard anything. But I, see, I, I don't see him listed at all for next week in the starting steps. Yeah. Um, so they got, uh, you know, Peacock's a high strikeout guy. There's probably a lot of strikeouts in that group of four right there, but I'm not afraid of Wade Miley against the Yankees. A lefty, <laughs> um, a lefty soft tosser against the Yankees is usually uh, is usually a good feast right there for the Yankee hitters. But that should be a good series, good telling series for the season. Yeah, Garrett Cole's expected to go uh, Wednesday against Cincinnati. Okay, they updated it. Uh, Wednesday against Cincinnati? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's before the yep. series. Okay, that's good. All right. Good. Before one last, we, one last uh, hard picture of things. Before we uh, move on to Cole, uh, we have a caller, it looks like. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about, caller? Hello. <laughs> Caller. I guess I guess not. There uh we'll we'll leave them <laughs> muted. Uh, someone called in. I have no idea who it is, but it's a it's a five oh one area code. Uh, feel free to keep listening. If you don't want to talk, that's fine. Uh Cole. Uh, I guess we'll uh, continue on with your. Yeah, so, uh, sometimes you actually can hear previews. better if you dial in. Sometimes I can hear the radio show better if I dial in and, and listen on the phone as opposed to sitting in right. the computer. So right, that could that be what someone's doing. So, yeah, uh, I thought I, I thought it might be a caller. I thought I'd check, but yeah. Well, so Cole, we'll finish off with your um, series previews. Yeah, so, um, you know, I talk about the Twins a lot, but this one's less about uh, the individual baseball players as it is uh, the this Boston 
uh, Minnesota match uh, to start start the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting, uh, you know, because on the Minnesota side of things, we have a team that is a firm ten games, uh, a ten games mm-hmm. in first place above these. Cleveland Indians, uh, and then on the Boston side of things, we we saw a team that we see a team rather that I think more people uh, were expecting not necessarily to be ten games ahead because of the strength of the AL East, but expecting to have kind of these records flip to where uh, the Twins are you know roughly five hundred and the Boston Red Sox are the team that are about twenty games over five hundred, but that's not what we really have here. Uh, and I think this is the time of the time of the year getting into late June where if you're Boston, you got to start thinking uh, relatively seriously because I think, you know, when you have a divisional competition or a conference-wide competition like you have in the American League this year, the only teams that are going to feel safe, and even that is a hard thing to spell out, are the teams that get leads before they get to the end. Teams like, you know, the Minnesota Twins right now who are 10 games away from losing, uh, you know, that not just the playoff spot, but that first round by quote unquote, uh, getting past the play in game. They're, they're 10 games above that right now. Um, you know, Boston's running out of time to make a gap. Uh, and if you don't make a gap, you're going to be sitting there with a month to go right next to the Rangers or the athletics or the Indians uh, or, you know, the, uh, you know, the other one of the major teams that doesn't win the AL East. Uh, and Boston really doesn't want to be, you know, it might not be, it's going to happen to somebody. It's not a choice, but Boston really doesn't want to be in that slog. You know, there's, there's too many competitive, there's too many good teams in the AL right now. You don't, you don't want to be in the place where your best case scenario is that you get a home play in game and your worst case scenario is right. that you don't make the playoffs at all. That's really not what, where they want to be. They want to be competing for the division. You know, I mean, the, the division, it seems silly to say but um i think in baseball more than any other sport winning your division has has a, a direct advantage at least in avoiding the play uh, the playing game the playing game has so many you know, right. variables of possibility to happen you usually have to spend uh you know some of your best bullets you, you get a little bit of time off to, to recover that starting pitcher to recover those uh relief pitchers in particular for for game one potentially uh but you, you gotta still spend them you gotta go all out for an extra game uh avoiding the plan games a pretty big deal i think for teams at this point uh and boston might not even be in, in the place where that's even ideal for them they're just teeth clawing uh like i said it, it's the, the, the biggest problem in the sport of baseball with the if the season were to end today argument is that uh, people just play a different number of games. Uh, but the Texas Rangers do have a about a hundredth of a percent, I believe, of a better record than, than the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so if the season were to end today, it would be the other two AL East teams, uh, the Rays and the Yankees, uh, alongside uh, yep. the Texas Rangers uh, as the AL East champion and the, and the two uh, wild card teams. Uh, it, it wouldn't be the Boston Red Sox, so um, you know they're out of the playoffs right now. They gotta, they gotta fight and claw. And when you're fighting and clawing, you know the thing about it is, every team that we've been talking about in this conversation is expected to beat up on Kansas City. Uh, you know, even Texas is expected to beat Kansas City. That's that's why we have these uh, right. incredible par- – that's, that's the result of this incredible parody that we have in the sport. Um, Cleveland is supposed to beat up on Kansas City. All these teams are supposed to beat up on Kansas City. Um, so, you know, unless you can get a four-game sweep out of that, it might not help you all that much. The games that are going to help you, so to speak, in, in the catch-up 
is Minnesota. You gotta, you know, if you're gonna catch up, you gotta beat the teams at the top because if you don't beat the teams at the top, you're just never gonna close the gap. Um, and so Boston right. has a, a, a real opportunity to do that. Uh, for the weekday series leading into it. Uh, they'll throw Porcello, Price, and Erod, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez out there uh, against the uh, Minnesota Twins who are throwing out Barrios, uh, Pineda, and Kyle Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, should be a very interesting matchup. You know, I'll be at least watching every Jorge Polanco at bat, but uh, otherwise uh, right. uh, it should be a, a, an exciting game or series. And your uh, weekend series? Oh, I'm mostly just focused on looking at uh, that one. But if I had to pick one, I would go with the um, the Mets and the Cubs series. It's a four-game series. Okay. Uh, you know I'm a, a Cubs fan. Uh, and, and one thing that I think is important to talk about, you know, it is and it isn't because it's the most obvious thing in the world and everyone should know it. But Craig Kimbrell is your new closer. Like, if you were me and you spent, uh, you know, not, not necessarily a significant portion of the offseason, but uh, – spent some paragraphs in the offseason saying, you know, Steve Cichek, solid sleeper for saves. Uh, Strope, Strope hurt, Morrow hurt, really liked it. Got got six six or seven out of it before the Kimbrell thing happened, which I think is more than many people thought you would get uh, in the whole season. Got that in a little over two months. But, I mean, this isn't an argument. It's not a story. It's not a conversation. Uh, Craig Kimbrell's the closer. That's why you get a guy like that. Uh, you know, Morrow can come back tomorrow and just say, hey, went to a ferry, magically repaired my arm. It's good forever. He's still the eighth inning guy. You know, I mean, this is Craig Kimbrell's job, and the only thing that's going to take him out of it is, is putrid performance. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, if – I, I think the one thing the Cubs obviously haven't had is that back end, uh, you know, this year. Um, they, they did a really good job both the year they won uh, and the year after it uh, getting ace-level closers for a relative price. It's hard to say, obviously, because of the, the Gleiber-Torres trade, but you know people can can argue with me about this till, till the cows come home. I don't really care. When you win a World Series in a year, the, the amount of price you give up for a player just seems less, so I don't complain too much about that. And then following that up, uh, though, I think what the real – you know, intelligent move was, was following that up with letting a role this Chapman walk um, and then trading Jorge Soler, who is a solid player, interesting player, uh, could potentially finally make that turnaround, but hasn't yet, hasn't been worth too much for Wade Davis to where they just, you know, they got a different elite closer uh, to close out games for them. It was, you know, it, it's hard to quantify Wade Davis's numbers now because he plays in Colorado, but, it seemed like it was going to be one of his last super prime years. And so it was really good for the Cubs to get that. But then the year afterward, instead of looking for a discount stud, they just forgot the stud part and just went after discounts. And I'm not saying like Brandon Moreau is a bad pitcher. I actually really like Moreau, I, but that's kind of the reason that I know that he's one of the most fragile pitchers that we've ever seen play the sport. I mean, this is a guy who's been, you know, in right. terms of a guy at least who's continued to do it, because I think if you're more fragile uh, than uh, than Brandon Morrow, the best case scenario is that you disappear for a decade and show up one day like Rich Hill, like what just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's, that's the only way that a player can be more injury prone than Brandon Morrow. So yeah, the Cubs direction since, since Roldis Chapman and Wade Davis, I think has been uh, a little lazy in the fact that, 
I think the point of overpaying for players that some things you have to overpay for. That's how you balance a budget. There's there's an considerable amount uh, of players that you're underpaying. That's how the 500k three year three year thing works. And depending on the team situation, in order to push yourself forward uh, for the postseason, you have to overpay at a position every now and then. And the Cubs uh, steadfastly refused to do that last year. And I think. Uh, I think we really saw the result in the back end of the bullpen uh, and, and this, you know, confusion of the back end of the bullpen that we've had uh, since Wade Davis left. Uh, now Kimbrell's there, should be solid once again in terms of who's the ninth inning guy. Hopefully Kimbrell uh, can, can put in three more good years in a, now a Chicago uniform. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this whole back end of the bullpen gets a major bump up if they can get everything working right. So, yeah, that that's most of what I yeah. have to cover for that series. Not too much. You know, the Mets are going to throw out Syndergaard, Vargas, Wheeler, DeGrom. So if you're a fan of baseball, you're going to see um, most of the big-name Mets, really all the big-name Mets, Syndergaard, Wheeler, DeGrom, uh, going at the Cubs in that series. And the Cubs have some of uh, the the better hitters and, and hotter hitters in the sport going back to the beginning of May. So uh, it should be a, an interest, interesting series there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's one series to look forward to over the weekend um joe any uh closing thoughts yeah i got exactly three and i'll make them quick um first off i disagree with okay. you on the whole kimbrel the whole kimbrel story you were saying you said that they've been lazy about closers but i, I think if a, if a team goes out and three years in a row gets eldest chapman and then wade davis and then craig kimbrel you know I, I think that's pretty aggressive i don't think that's that's lazy at well, all. They i think did they're they're Last year was the year that they were lazy, pretty flippant lazy about it. It's been a couple of years since they had Wade Davis. I think the Yanks did the same thing with their starting rotation. They said, "Let's see what we got, and then maybe in the middle of the year we'll look for something better if we if we need it." But um, the other thing I wanted to say is I'm really glad you brought up uh, Kingery from the from the Phillies. Um, I I think Kingery is going to be a, a really good player, and uh, I lucked, lucked out somehow. I got him in one of my leagues, and he's he's my uh, middle infielder now. Um, he's been hitting like hitting pretty well lately. I don't know how he was still there when I when I went and grabbed him, but it is a small league. It's not very deep, so I guess that's why. But yeah, um, I was glad to have him. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say was we were talking earlier about Framber Valdez of the Astros, and I challenged you. I said, "Go ahead and yeah. start him against the Yankees." Well, I just looked, and <laughs> you might be right because the Yankees are one of the worst teams in baseball <laughs> against lefties at home. Maybe it's because uh, Judge and, and uh, Giancarlo stand around the bench. I have no idea, you know, on the shelf. But uh, the Yankees right. really have a 260 Woba and a 207 batting average against lefties at home. So Mr. Valdez, who does not give up home runs, I'll give him credit for that. He does not give yeah. up homers, and he doesn't give up a lot of walks so far, um, and he strikes out some guys. Yep. Maybe he will do pretty well against the Yankees. So you know, when I'm wrong, I'm All wrong. Right, but yeah. you, might, you, you might have a good one there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see how how that goes. Uh, as a, always, a pleasure to talk to you, Joe. Uh, have a good week. You too. All right, Cole. Any closing thoughts from you? Um, nothing too major. I think we covered them all for the for you know the the total of the show. I, I think uh, we're probably getting close to the end time now. Um, so yeah, just once again, happy yeah. Father's Day and. We'll be uh, getting back to the, the radio shows and the writing and all that stuff. So, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. Um, have a good week, Cole. I'll uh, talk to you next time. Yep. See you next time. All right. 
And that will do it for the Major League Fantasy Baseball Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Roach, and I'll talk to you next week.